0: This episode of Intelligent Medicine is brought to you by Banatrol. If you suffer from diarrhea caused by IBS or any other type of digestive issue that's preventing you from leaving your house due to the fear of flare-ups, check out Banatrol from Medtrition. Banatrol stops diarrhea without causing constipation and is safe to take every day unlike over-the-counter and prescription medications, would cause constipation and disrupt digestive health. Banatrol takes a nutritional approach. The all-natural formula contains only two ingredients, a proprietary blend of dehydrated banana flakes paired with a clinically proven GOS prebiotic fiber. After prescribing Banatrol to some of my patients with IBS associated with GI urgency and diarrhea, several have pronounced it a godsend. You can try Banatrol risk-free for 30 days by going to TryBanatrol.com. If for any reason it doesn't work, you'll receive a 100% refund of the purchase price. That's T-R-Y-B-A-N-A-T-R-O-L.com. Welcome to Intelligent Medicine, America's foremost program on health, medicine, and nutrition, featuring the latest on both conventional and alternative therapies. Now, here's Dr. Ronald Hoffman. Welcome to Intelligent Medicine. I'm your host, Dr. Ronald Hoffman. It's our weekly program where I curate some of the most important health stories of the week for you. And you can participate. 877-726-8255 is our number. And uh, that uh, means that you can call in with questions or comments 877-726-TALK. we got lots to talk about uh, this week because uh, this week I'm broadcasting to you from the state of confusion. Yeah, uh, I'm actually in suburban New Jersey. uh, And uh, there's sort of a confused status when it comes to uh, social distancing and masking still where I am. I don't know what it's like where you are. But um, I haven't been here for a couple of weeks, and uh, this weekend I went into my local supermarket. And previously, all through the pandemic, uh, I would go to the market and, uh, you know, in the parking lot, put on my mask, and dutifully uh, wear the mask inside the market. So this week I walk into the market, and um, a bunch of people are not wearing masks. But some people are wearing masks. Some of the people who are clearly supermarket employees, they're not wearing masks, but a few of them are. So uh, I strode up to uh, the deli counter and I said, what's the deal? You you don't have to wear masks anymore? Has that requirement been uh, lifted? And the guy says, um, well, you don't have to wear a mask uh, unless you're not vaccinated. If you're not vaccinated, you need to put on a mask. So (laughs) the people... Uh, walking around in the supermarket are wearing masks as kind of a badge of shame that they've not been vaccinated. Uh, I was with a family member and uh, she's not been uh, vaccinated due to a medical condition that makes it uh, more likely that she would have a vaccine reaction. She's been told to uh, forego the vaccine. And uh, she, you know, so I walked in one direction, she went in another and um, uh, when we got back together, she said, Well, there's this woman who came up to me and said, What? You've not been vaccinated? And because she was wearing a mask, so that kind of made a statement that she was unvaccinated. And, uh, so her reply was, I have a blood condition. And so the woman was kind of taken aback, uh, <laughs> took a step backwards and gave her a wide berth, as if she was typhoid Mary because she was unvaccinated. It's kind of a strange state of affairs. Uh, A lot of people uh, experiencing vaccine requirements at their work sites. Uh, But there's new information that if you've had COVID, uh, either you may only need one vaccine dose instead of two, where you may not need the vaccine at all. As I said, th- this is a state of confusion. Big study this week out of the Cleveland Clinic, that's a pretty prestigious place, says that people who've already had COVID-19 may not necessarily benefit from vaccination. Uh, the research showed that people with prior infection had similar protection to those who were fully vaccinated. And um, so, on the other hand, uh, a study from, Penn uh, State University, uh, the Penn Institute of Immunology, suggests that those who had COVID-19 may only need one vaccine dose. So take your pick. You don't need it or you need just one shot. And uh, people are experiencing vaccine mandates, especially people who work in uh, medical fields. Uh, my uh, ex uh, receptionist who's had COVID. Uh, she moved on to another job at a big hospital and she said she's experiencing a lot of pressure. Now they're saying they sent out a, a an edict that everyone needs to get the two-shot regimen, Pfizer, Moderna, uh, regardless of their status of having had COVID. Well, she's had COVID. She had a documented case of COVID. So she's bummed that she needs to get the vaccine and um, the Penn study says that people who had recovered from COVID-19 had a ro- robust antibody response after the first mRNA vaccine dose, but the second dose didn't do much to augment that, okay? But the question is not whether you should get one or two. The question is whether you should get any vaccine at all if you've had COVID-19. This is a one-size-fits-all rule. Everybody gets it. And this extends, uh, especially to the young population, uh, a lot of kids, because they're gregarious, because they're social, because it's hard to keep them in lockdown. Many of them have had COVID, usually very mild COVID, because young people get milder infections. And now, the news is that the CDC confirms 226 cases of myocarditis. That's a severe heart inflammation after COVID-19 vaccination in people 30 and under. Uh, they're investigating about 250 more reports. That also um, that's in the US. Uh, that also is in line uh, with reports from Israel saying that this rare but significant side effect is occurring. Uh, specifically after the Moderna and Pfizer vaccines, not so much associated with AstraZeneca and Johnson & Johnson, which have, they have their own problems with blood clots. So um, they say that um, this is very rare, uh, that uh, the incidence of uh, myocarditis or pericarditis ordinarily is extremely low in this population. Uh, the... Uh, according to the statistics, um, there is about 20 times the risk of myocarditis or pericarditis in vaccine recipients. Now we're requiring that college students planning to go back to school in September uh, take the vaccine. Uh, a lot of health officials are saying, wait a minute, we should hit pause on that. And they're convening an emergency meeting of uh, the powers that be next week to consider what to do about uh, these cases of myocarditis uh, as we rush headlong into vaccinating younger and younger people. Um, Now, it is true that some young people get serious COVID, but it's very, very rare. Uh, They say that COVID-19 adolescent hospital hospitalization rates um, peaked at 2.1 per 100,000. In other words, you'd look at 100,000 individuals with COVID, 2.1 were hospitalized in January 2021. By mid-March, it was 0.6. So, very, very rare. Uh, Six in a million experience hospitalization. Uh, So, And that is also among uh, the kids who may have underlying health conditions. They may have autoimmune diseases. They may have... uh, uh, developmental uh, issues uh, such as uh, autism. Uh, they may have um, uh, adolescent uh, hypertension or extreme obesity. Those are the kids who may be candidates for vaccination because they're at risk. But uh, it's all about the risk-benefit equation. And a bunch of health officials are saying, wait a minute, what are we doing? Why, oh why, are we exposing these kids have minimal risk, uh, to the potential dangers of, of the vaccine, although, albeit small? And look, gotta say this, the vaccine has been a resounding success because America's experiencing very few cases of COVID, far fewer hospitalizations, far fewer deaths, uh, compared to the rest of the world, uh, where less vaccines are available. But uh, shouldn't it be the case? that we should be sparing of these vaccines, ship them over to other countries, less fortunate countries, uh, instead of vaccinating people who've already had COVID or vaccinating our, our young people. When uh, the vaccine supply in the United States, our cup runneth over, but worldwide, there are scarcities. 877-726-8255 is our number, should you care to weigh in on topics like these, or if you've got a health quandary, Call us, 877-726-TALK. This is Intelligent Medicine. In these unprecedented times, we need effective immune support. That's why I'm excited to introduce two formulas that work, CV Defense and CV Acute. There's nothing quite like them. CV Defense is a daily preventative, the only supplement that delivers the six most important ingredients to optimize your immune function, including PEA, a critical molecule for long-term immunity at the cellular level. CV Acute is a fast-acting, great-tasting syrup for direct immune activation. It eliminates invaders with the fruit flower and root of patented Chinese medicine. I take it when I feel run down to fend off respiratory infections. Both products are safe, all-natural, and backed by numerous clinical trials. For more information and to order, go to TotalImmuneHealth.com and take advantage of discounts from 30 to 50% just for listening to Intelligent Medicine. That's TotalImmuneHealth.com. TotalImmuneHealth.com for the most exciting immune support products in years.
1: Our bodies depend on a potent powerhouse of beneficial bacteria that support and improve every aspect of our health. Dr. O'Hara's formula encourages probiotics to function at their peak performance.
0: Welcome back to Intelligent Medicine, Dr. Ronald Hoffman with you, 877-726-8255. And availing himself of the opportunity, we have Steve in Ohio. Hi, Steve. Yeah, hello, doctor. Good. Uh, My question, what type of moisturizer or lotion would you recommend for itchy skin on the top of the feet caused by spider veins? Is uh, coconut oil good or... Uh, something else maybe might be better. Yeah, you know, coconut oil is is good. Uh, it's somewhat antibacterial and antifungal as well, which may be good on the feet, and it's a wonderful moisturizer, extra virgin coconut oil. Uh, the other thing that I like to use is Manuka cream, which uh, comes from the Manuka plant in Australia, and uh, that also is antifungal, antibacterial, and soothing. Um, Another thing I discovered is that uh, for some skin conditions, uh, CBD uh, ointment can be helpful. Uh, It's made by CV Sciences, one of our good sponsors. You'll hear from them a little later in the program. Um, And the reason that it's helpful is that uh, CBD, cannabidiol, uh, can work on the superficial nerves. So if you have skin itching that can be helpful. The other thing I always say to patients is that uh, you know, if you've got a skin condition, dry skin, uh, you, need a, you need a lube job, uh, not on the surface, but from within. And therefore, I recommend the use of uh, essential fatty acids, omega-3s, uh, but also GLA from uh, borage oil or primrose oil, uh, because those have moisturizing uh, effects on the skin. can be very, very helpful taken internally. So um, there you have it. Uh, Try some of those things and see if you can obtain relief. 877-726-8255. By the way, uh, that um, number is available to you 24-7, so should you be busy during the program, uh, jot the number down and call us during the week and record a question. We'll take some of those questions later in today's program. Um, All right, uh, hydroxychloroquine.
1: Very
0: controversial. Why controversial? Well, Donald Trump, Um, gave his two cents on that subject during his administration. And a lot of people said uh, that was whack-a-doodle because uh, it's a malaria drug uh, that he hailed as a possible COVID-19 treatment. And uh, so, uh, although promising in initial research, uh, other studies said that it didn't really pan out. And uh, people jumped on Trump for prematurely announcing that uh, hydroxychloroquine was a fix or a cure for COVID-19. They really tarred and feathered him with it. Well, there's a study uh, that's out. It, it's not the, a huge study. It's from St. Barnabas Medical Center uh, here in New Jersey uh, on a group of 255 patients. And these patients were very sick with uh, covid uh, they were ventilated. So this was kind of like extreme unction for them. Many Ventilated patients don't do very well with COVID. Uh, but according to the study, hydroxychloroquine with zinc could increase COVID-19 survival rates by as much as 200%. 200%. Um, so uh, an interesting feature of the study, and by the way, this is not yet peer-reviewed, uh, was that uh, they adjusted the dose according to the body mass of these patients. And that may be why some previous studies have failed, because there was a one-size-fits-all dose. Maybe it wasn't the right dose uh, for patients who had um, a very heavy body mass. Um, on the other hand, i got to say this. For the sake of balance, I will tell you that hydroxychloroquine still is controversial, because at the self-same time that... Uh, Defenders of Trump are touting this study saying, Trump was right. He was right after all. This study vindicates Trump. Um, Another study came out uh, this also last week. um, Lack of efficacy of hydroxychloroquine and azithromycin uh, in COVID-19 pneumonia. It's, um, uh, again, a relatively small series, 203 patients, and uh, what they found was that there weren't no difference between patients who got hydroxychloroquine and azithromycin combination therapy um, versus those who um, got, you know, everything but. So, um, you know, I still think that uh, for some patients at some stages of the disease, hydroxychloroquine can be helpful. And uh, there's also interesting information on ivermectin. But, um, you know, these are not popular drugs, because they're not uh, newly concocted pharmaceutical breakthroughs uh, with great uh, profit potential for the pharmaceutical industry. These are drugs mostly used in the third world that are off patent, and hence uh, the incentive to uh, do proper studies and promote them uh, and market them is less. Eight seven 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 two six eight two five five. 726 We'll be back with more of today's Intelligent Medicine. As an Intelligent Medicine listener, you know how important it is to ensure that your supplements are genuine, safe, and effective. But vetting your sources and tracking down the exact products you need can be a hassle. That's why I'm inviting you to browse my online supplement dispensary at drhoffmanstore.com. We stock only the highest quality supplements, some of which are very hard to find elsewhere. The very same supplements... To sign up for your free full script account. That's DrhoffmanStore.com. DrhoffmanStore.com Naturally occurring black pigments in vegetables, spices, and seeds have been found to have powerful anti-inflammatory effects. Hi, this is Dr. Ronald Hoffman, and I'm excited about what I think may be the next big thing in anti-inflammatory supplements, a brand new all-natural daily preventative against a host of possible inflammatory issues. Black for Health liquid extract from Future Farm Botanicals. Black for Health combines four plant-based foods, black garlic, black radish root, black cumin seed, Farm, P-H-A-R-M, myfuturefarm.com slash Hoffman, myfuturefarm.com slash Hoffman. Hoffman here, taking your phone calls, hearing your questions and comments, 877-726-8255. We got Glenn in Iowa. How you doing, Glenn?
1: Pretty good, Doc. I just
0: had a question on this new FDA approval of a uh, biogen, uh, Alzheimer's drug. They're saying it's going to slow down the progression. Do you think there's any chance that that will reverse any of those uh, amyloid tangles? Okay, uh, that's, a, that's a really good question because um, this week, this is very controversial, uh, they approved the first Alzheimer's drug that has achieved approval in 20 years. Now you'd think you know, 20 years, there'd be all kinds of scientific advances and breakthroughs in terms of the treatment of Alzheimer's. Uh, the vast majority of drugs uh, on the launch pad for Alzheimer's during that period have crashed and burned, have not achieved approval. Uh, this drug, it's gonna be called Adjuhelm. Uh, it's a monoclonal antibody which means it's very expensive, has to be injected, $56,000 a year, and it purports to slow the accumulation of amyloid plaque in the brain, which is a feature of Alzheimer's disease. Now, uh, very controversial because uh, a lot of doctors say this was a, a premature approval and an unnecessary approval for an expensive and potentially dangerous drug. Because while amyloid is implicated in Alzheimer's disease, you know, when somebody dies and they donate their brain to science uh, and they have Alzheimer's disease, we see a lot of amyloid. So the target of many of the drugs that try to treat uh, Alzheimer's disease, uh, these are plaque busters, they prevent amyloid accumulation. And this drug, uh, did achieve that effect in clinical trials, but it wasn't really demonstrated to significantly slow the progression of Alzheimer's disease because you'd have to use this drug maybe 10, 15 years to see if there's going to be a benefit. And, uh, you know, the side effects, uh, are pretty serious. Because 40% of clinical trial patients who got the approved dose of Aduhelm developed painful brain swelling with symptoms like headache, dizziness, visual disturbances, nausea, and vomiting. About 17 to 18% of patients had microhemorrhages or small bleeds in their brain. And so patients taking this drug will require monitoring with sequential brain imaging, which is also costly. And um, we also have the undeniable fact that, um, and some of you may have seen this on 60 Minutes if you watch that show, Uh, they did a story on Alzheimer's disease, and Leslie Stahl, who was the interviewer, um, asked the uh, lead researcher, uh, isn't it true that... um, 5 years ago we actually had a better idea of what causes Alzheimer's than we do now. There's a lot of confusing facts about Alzheimer's because people who have dementia, uh some of them have profound dementia and they have no amyloid plaque. And paradoxically some people with tons of amyloid plaque uh have minimal cognitive decline. You now they really are, they're very functional and they're not affected. So it may be that amyloid is present in Alzheimer's disease, but is not the cause of Alzheimer's disease. It's one of the uh, consequences. Uh, and Alzheimer's is a very complex uh, process of neurodegeneration, and there are very various subtypes of uh, dementia. Easy to confuse one type for another, and there's no easily uh, accessed test to forecast Alzheimer's there are other conditions like vascular dementia and Lewy body dementia as well as depression that may mimic it so this I think is a terrible decision and you know I'm not a voice in the wilderness on this lots of doctors are decrying the approval of this drug and in fact uh, members of the review panel uh, whose advice to not approve the drug was ignored by the FDA uh, there's been a raft of resignations from the from the review panel uh, in protest of the approval of the drug. <laughs> so it's generated a firestorm of controversy. Why was this approved? This probably was approved because of pressure from uh, uh, patient advocacy groups. There's patient advocacy group I mean, look, if you've got a family member with Alzheimer's or some relative has died from Alzheimer's, you know, you're going to want to, join a patient advocacy group uh, to push for more research on this. It happened with uh, AIDS. There was actually pressure to fast-track drugs for AIDS, and it worked because uh, it lit the fire under uh, researchers to come up with a cure. Same thing's happening with Alzheimer's disease, and they're saying, well, we haven't approved anything in 20 years. We've got to give the, these folks, throw them a bone, give them something. And so they approved this drug, in what I think is kind of a symbolic gesture that, yes, uh, we're not going to close the pipeline to promising drugs for Alzheimer's, but the expense is too great, the results too uncertain, and the side effects uh, too, uh, too dire uh, to justify approval of this medication. And uh, so that's, that's what I have to say about it. It's called adjuhelm. And, oh, my goodness, so many people are going to rush to have their relatives take it. And uh hopefully we're not going to see a calamity and certainly a budget-busting move because who's going to pay for it? $56,000 a year for medication with uncertain benefits. 877-726-8255 is their number. Thank you very much for that uh, call. Does... Fatigue sometimes holds you back from doing the things you wanna do. Well, it could be, it could relate to the mitochondria and the mitochondria in the brain, that's a very, very important target uh, for intervention when cognitive decline occurs. Well, did you know that mitochondrial decline may begin as early as 25 years of age? Well, here's the only nutritional formula clinically proven to repair mitochondria and revive their function. It's NT Factor from Nutritional Therapeutics. Clinical trials have shown that NT Factor reduces fatigue by almost half. There's already around 40 of them. And it's available in a variety of formulations tailored to your specific needs. Full spectrum vitamin, mineral formulas, immune support formulas, targeted nutrition. And then there's pure NT Factor that you can obtain in powder or wafers that you can add to whatever supplement regimen you're already taking. I've been using NT Factor for years myself and I prescribe it for my patients with a 45-day money back guarantee you have nothing to lose you can find the nt factor line of nutritional formulas at your favorite health food store or online retailer or to order direct call 800-982-9158 800-982-9158 or go to ntfactor.com okay um this item may be of interest to people who prefer a uh, less strenuous option for exercise, you know, uh, when you're trying to get rid of your belly fat, people tend to think that you gotta pound the pavement, ride a bike, uh, do, uh, all kinds of very, 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 uh, ambitious exertion. And for some, that's just not gonna happen. Uh, here's a trial in the Annals of Internal Medicine on Tai Chi. Now, you've seen people doing Tai Chi sometimes. It's very gentle exercise. It's sort of ballet-like. You see groups of people doing it sometimes in the park. Very popular in Asia, but it's catching on here. Um, clinical trial finds Tai Chi similar to conventional exercise for reducing belly fat. Findings published in the Annals of Internal Medicine research of the University of Hong Kong randomly assigned more than 500 adults over 50 with central obesity, that's a big gut, to a regimen of Tai Chi, conventional exercise or no exercise. What they found was that um, waist circumference and other indicators in metabolic health uh, improved comparably in both the Tai Chi intervention group and the conventional exercise intervention group They both had reductions in waist circumference relative to control which was the group who got no exercise so if you're banged up you've got some injuries you know you're uh, averse to conventional exercise tai chi may be a realistic option for you lots of uh, senior centers um, encourage participation in tai chi 877-726-8255 8777268255 is our number for intelligent medicine. This is Dr. Ronald Hoffman. If you're suffering from diarrhea caused by IBS and it's preventing you from doing the things you'd normally enjoy, check out Banatrol from Medtrition. Banatrol stops diarrhea without causing constipation and is safe to take every day. The all-natural formula contains only two ingredients: a proprietary blend of dehydrated banana flakes paired with a clinically proven GOS prebiotic fiber. You can try Banatrol risk-free for 30 days by going to trybanatrol.com.
1: Trybanatrol.com. You don't just rinse your hands, why would you just rinse your nose? Clear Saline Nasal Spray with Xylitol. Available at Vitamin Shop, Walgreens, CVS, Rite Aid, as well as Amazon.com. For a complete list of retailers, visit clear.com. That's X-L-E-A-R
0: Welcome back to Intelligent Medicine. Dr. Ronald Hoffman here, 877-726-8255. That's our number during the program, but it's also a number where you can call in and record a question as to this individual. Let's hear it.
1: Hi, uh, Dr. Hoffman. My name is Mike. I'm calling about a product I heard that might be helpful for me to develop muscle tissue uh, in addition to exercise, HGH, or human growth hormone. Um, I was just looking at the possibility of using it, wanted to know if you thought it was not a good idea or a good idea or what are possible risks involved, if it's something uh, to consider.
0: All right. Thanks. Okay. Human growth hormone was touted in uh, the 90s and the early 2000s as a a youthful elixir because uh, it is true that as we age, uh, our levels of human growth hormone decline. Human growth hormone, of course, is associated with height and it's used in conventional pediatrics for kids who are short. And when kids, uh, you know, according to the projections, are going to end up to be four foot eight. Um, they will administer uh, HGH to them to increase their height. You know, you get about two, three, four inches out of that. Um, and then uh, it's been used, but not conventionally approved, uh, to make you look awesome, <laughs> you know, to uh, build muscle. And uh, athletes have been... Uh, uh, you know, using it, and they've been caught sometimes, and they've been uh, penalized, and it's one of the reasons why they have an asterisk after their name after uh, records have been set. Um, and um, it's um, it it does make you stronger and bigger, but here's the problem: it makes cells grow and multiply, which means you might have bigger muscles, you might have uh, bigger liver, bigger internal organs, okay, that maybe help you to rejuvenate. Uh, but also, uh, if you've got a hidden cancer in your body, it's also going to be gasoline on the fire for the cancer because it is a growth hormone. It's a growth promoter. So I'm kind of concerned about that. Um, I'm also concerned about, you know, some of the side effects. Uh, sometimes blood sugar problems will arise. Uh, Some patients report uh, arthritis and joint problems. Uh, So I'm not a big fan of it. And, oh, here's the catch. It's supposed to be an anti-aging substance. So uh, experimentally, uh, there is an experimental model for growth hormone deficiency, which is dwarf mice. Dwarf mice are like these itty-bitty-bitty-bitty tiny little mice They're about a third of the size of normal-sized mice. And so uh, maybe they have an inferiority complex. They don't look too buff compared to their uh, normal-sized peers. But they live about 40% longer. (laughs) So uh, it may be that uh, you look awesome, but you die faster if you take uh, HGH. Because what it does is it revs up the... uh, Cell cycles, you get more multiplications of your cells uh, that may assist in growth and repair. But then your cells run out of, you know, they say the cat has nine lives. Well, your cell replication cycle is finite, and maybe after 20 or 40 or 60 or 80 replication cycles, those cells conk out. And that may mean uh, game over for you. So I'm not a big fan of uh, human growth hormone. I think there may be certain c- situations where, you know, people are very, um, uh, frail. Uh, if they have uh, a need for repair, say after a severe injury, that may be a good argument for temporary use of human growth hormone to facilitate repair and recovery. But, uh, long-term use and just merely for vanity's sake to build bigger muscles, um, I think, is potentially hazardous. So there you have it. 877 is our number. You know, plexiglass is everywhere. Everywhere you go, plexiglass, plexiglass, plexiglass. Sales of plexiglass tripled to around $750 million in the U.S. after the pandemic hit. Um, but there's one problem. Not a single study has shown that the clear plastic barriers actually control the virus. This, according to... A study performed at Harvard's School of Public Health. Uh, according to the author's study, we spent a lot of time and money focused on hygiene theater. Okay, I mean it kind of makes sense. What we'll up these barriers, right? Uh, this guy's an indoor air researcher. The danger is that we didn't deploy the resources to address the real threat, which was airborne transmission, and it took a year for us to realize that plastic shielding creates merely a false sense of security. Uh, They actually did a study, this came out in April, in the journal Science, uh, suggesting that desk shields, I mean, these kids are like in these little (laughs) plexiglass boxes. Uh, These desk shields might even slightly raise the risk of COVID-like symptoms. Uh, There's a study from Japan that linked plastic shielding with infections in a poorly ventilated office. Here's why. Uh, The researchers puffed smoke into workstations to analyze airflow. And they found that it lingered and swirled inside these plexiglass barriers instead of ascending to ceiling filters. According to one of the researchers, the smoke just kind of hung out. It didn't move as you would expect it to move. the plexiglass side panels around desks seem to increase the risk of virus transmission by blocking airflow. So bottom line, there's no research to support plexiglass barriers against coronavirus spread. And um, I mean, there may be certain situations like uh, a clerk in uh, a cashier in a uh, department store or a grocery that faces many people at close range. Okay. Maybe I get it, but um, you know, Uh, The plastic shields in restaurants, gyms, and casinos, it's all theater, theater. Uh, So a lot of this stuff is going to be dismantled. Uh, It's going to have to be gathered up and shipped off uh, for recycling for a second life. So if you want to obtain some uh, plexiglass on the cheap, uh, it's probably a good time to grab some. Uh, Maybe you can make a coffee table out of it. 877 726 8255, our number. Uh, Here's an item that suggests that high caffeine consumption may be associated with increased risk of glaucoma. Uh, The researchers say that caffeine may increase intraocular pressure, pressure inside the eye that's associated with a high risk for glaucoma. Uh, They found that individuals who consumed three cups of coffee had nearly fourfold higher glaucoma prevalence when compared to those who drink no or minimal caffeine. So uh, there you have it. It doesn't mean that everyone has to avoid coffee, but if you've got increased intraocular pressure, if you've been told of early glaucoma, skip the caffeinated coffee because it might make things worse. 877-726-8255, our number for intelligent medicine.